Hello, everyone. My name is Taylor. And I'm Kelly. And we are the co-hosts of Jumping Bomb Audio, the number one show all about the world of Joshi Pro Wrestling. Episodes drop every other Monday where we discuss the biggest Joshi news, review shows, and preview the hottest upcoming Joshi action. So whether you're a new fan or an old fan, we've got something here for you at Jumping Bomb Audio. Check us out on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome back to another episode of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungy here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. I am your host, Tyler Fornis, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Fred Morin, who held down the fort while I was attending my sister-in-law's wedding last week. Fred, how are you? I'm doing well. It's nice to have you back from Arizona. Were you in uh, Yuma? No, I was in... So we flew into Phoenix, and then we drove down to Tucson, which is about... At depending on where you're going to Tucson, it's between 90 minutes and two hours. Um, and we stayed at an Airbnb that cost like a million bucks. It was yeah. really nice. Um, and then my sister-in-law got married on St. Patrick's Day. My mother-in-law fed me tequila shots all night. Um, we had fun, but it's I'm just glad to be home because took a red eye back and I will never do that again. It was awful. I did not get any any iota of sleep until about 8.30 in the morning, and then I got like an hour and a half, and I took two hour-long naps later in the day. I And I had to work, so That's it rough. was very fun. That is rough. Well, we got to start off with some big news uh, before we get into the rest of the show, but um, this just broke from Fightful. Uh, the headline is Snitsky, colon, May Young loved when I sucked on her toes. Asked my wife, I have a professional foot connoisseur. Why is Fightful embarrassing? Like, I, per- I I think this is, I mean, this is why I can't be like a news director anywhere, like without any kind of filter, because I would think this stuff is very funny. Because it, look, I'm a it terrible is funny, person. But... Fightful is trying to be like a professional news organization. I'm not entirely sure you can say that when they have headlines. Bisky, May Young oh, loved when I sucked on her toes. You, you can't be both. Listen, I, I do aggregation for a living. This is an abomination. Like, I understand you got to pay the bills, but you have to have a line. You're talking about a they foot got a line fetish. right here, man. Yeah, you you didn't just cross the line. You jumped into Lake Michigan. Like this is this is awful. Like the my favorite part of this story, such as it is, is that this is a from a Snitsky appearance on the Cheap Heat podcast. Maybe we can get Snitsky on here. Um, and he just said about the about May Young, he's been dead for nine years now. 
and can't like refute this or anything that she absolutely loved him sucking on her toes in a WrestleMania 22 sketch and wanted him to keep going after the director yelled cut. Like just dead ass saying that in public. Are you I... glad to be back from Arizona? I was. The God, it's embarrassing. Like, how is anybody supposed to take wrestling media seriously when this is know. what this, it is? This seems like pretty big news to me. Maybe I'm off. No, it's you, you know what's big news? Kenny Omega facing off against El Hijo Del Vikingo. We'll talk about that later because I have a lot of thoughts, and Fred, I know you do too. But let's 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 get through the news because I really want to talk about that. Um, sure. Probably the biggest headline outside of that abomination from Fightful is you can hear Odie in the background excited that I'm yeah the hungry dog's going wild. Oh yeah, it, he is uh, borking at uh, the suitcase that has not been unpacked yet. Um, let's talk about the house show, Fred. And All right. It seemed like it was a big success. That um, optically it looked like a full house. Russell Tix mm-hmm. had a number of 3,200 tickets distributed, but I not really sold, but thought distributed. Um, I. I would assume about 90% of that is sold because that's kind of the... That's not the percentage. The di- that's, that's kind of what distribution um, we've seen from other AEW shows. Maybe there's, 85. There's, there's papering in every show. They give yeah, away yeah. tickets uh, for everything. And we're, I'm not just talking wrestling. I'm talking concerts. There's a lot of paper tickets at concerts, too. Oh, yeah. You work NFL with the local games. media, local radio yeah. stations, all that stuff. Baseball games, hockey games, basketball games, they, they all have a, a certain amount of papering. Wrestling's so different. So mm-hmm. if you get 85 to 90% uh, paid house, that's pretty damn good. That's that's kind of the area you're shooting for because of how much papering you, you end up doing for promotions, um, wrestlers, ETC. I'm sure Moxley had quite a few people there because it's close to his hometown, Cincinnati. Um, but I, I thought it was really interesting on top of everything. They made it matter right away. How did they do that? They mentioned it a couple times on Dynamite. And they even set up a match on Dynamite from the House Rules show where Tony Khan said, after House Rules, the Butcher and the Blade and Kip Sabian attacked Orange Cassidy. And uh, I don't even remember who his partner was. Oh, Darby Allen. Mm -hmm. And they end up challenging him to a six-man tag match with Sting, which was, I thought, one, anytime you get to see Sting wrestle is cool. And we're going to talk about that because there that was fun. But when you look at all those things, Fred, it ends up being, it ends up mattering because you make it matter. Like when WWF used to have a random title change at a house show, I believe Kevin Nash beat Bob Backlund at an MSG house show for the WWF title. And yep. then you had multiple like intercontinental title changes at those shows. They made them matter. Obviously the business is different than it is, than it was 30 years ago. But if you make them matter, fans will care. And guess what? Now that they've seen stuff happen at a house show, the next house rules in Calgary in July, guess what? It's probably going to sell more tickets. They also have a much bigger building being at the Saddle Dome. It all matters. And AW's trying, and that that is a big thing with these house shows. Yeah, and I think it worked pretty well. I did see – I should have dug into this, but I completely forgot to – uh, I did see that there was a report or a speculation or something going around that uh, AEW's future house shows are going to be, or at least one of them is a sold show. 
um, which I think is uh, smart. You know, um, I guess you know it's very curious just how um, how it will look going forward. Um, you know, if we do one every four months or whatever, I think the next one's in June, so that'd, that'd be three, obviously, because that's how math works. Um, you know, I mean, that's not going to be a big impact upon AEW's business either way. Uh, and you can just kind of treat them as just like little one-off special events. Um, I, I didn't really think that we'd be getting anything like a like three-show-a-week schedule or three non-televised shows-a-week schedule. Um, I think there's probably a market for them to do slightly more. You know, if you want to go monthly or even like two a month, I think that wouldn't be out of the realm of reasonableness. But, you know, right now it just seems like a, just a very on the odd occasion kind of deal. Yeah, uh, it's probably going to end up being on occasion. I'm actually scrolling, scrolling through Wrestle Ticks right now. Um, one thing I found interesting, um, earlier it ended up being um, slightly below 4,000 tickets for AEW Dynamite last night. They only distributed 3,600 tickets from a 4,200 ticket setup. Um, now, for context, last time they were there was last June 8, 2022. They sold 4,400 tickets almost. That, that's a pretty big disparity, Fred. Yeah, that's uh, what, 800, I think. Um, so that would be uh, math is hard. Probably like, what, a 13% drop, give or take? Doing that completely mm -hmm. off my head, top of my head. 18%. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's not great. I think AEW has definitely chilled over the past year. Let's not like get it wrong, but I also think they're still doing fine. Um, they're not as hot as they once were, but they're still like a solid number two promotion and doing just fine. And uh, honestly, you know, when they were knocking on the door of AEW, I'm sorry, WWE's ratings last year, I think that said a lot more about WWE's uh, shortcomings than it did about AEW's standing. I keep saying the wrong mm -hmm. one in the wrong spot. Um, so I don't think like, you know, it's cooler. That's fine. You know, it's also their second time in a market. I think that's also to be expected to an extent to uh, drop off there. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of fine. Like it, it's, it's fine. It's not like great. It's not a disaster. Yeah, it's, it exists. And I, I think that's, that's what's important here. Um, I, I've been trying to find because I thought I saw numbers from WrestleTix on the Saddle Dome, which is what we were talking about with uh, um, the the next uh, House Rules show. Mm -hmm. I'm not finding anything, which I'm a little bit surprised by, um, because it is. It, I mean, it's. it's you're talking to the saddle dome for hockey seats, like 15,000, I think. Yeah. I've got the ticket master link here, but I'm not going to be able to like, I mean, it looks like that there's still. Yeah. I mean, we don't have to get too far into the weeds about it, but yeah. Well, it's... Yeah. yeah uh, um, I, I think it's objectively good that when they're doing these house show um, gimmicks and they're keeping them spaced out enough. I think that's important too. Because one thing that was really tough with WWE, especially when they're doing house shows, 
they were so oversaturated. And you could argue they're still oversaturating the market because not only do you have um, seven hours of first-run TV, um, you have at least one premium live event a month, sometimes two. And it's it's really difficult because you have all these different things. And when you have so much to watch and keep up with a company, like I, I follow and cover the NFL. Watching all 16 games is a challenge. You can't physically watch all 16. Um, I, I have three TVs in my basement. I will realistically keep tabs on seven games um, a Sunday. And then your Monday night game and Thursday night game. So realistically, I'm watching nine games a week. There's still seven more. You, There just isn't enough time in the day. So when you're talking about like how WWE would operate their business for so long while they were doing house show loops, you're asking fans to commit to seven hours of TV a week. And along with that, you're doing house shows. Like that's a lot. And that's one of the reasons why house shows started dwindling. They weren't being loaded up like you were loading up raw and SmackDown. Um, And then X plus Y equals Z. And now they pretty much ruined their own market per se. When it came to house shows, they just had to evolve their business model. It took them a little while to do that. Now with AEW one house show every three months and they sold uh, some shows, which I think is brilliant because now they have a guarantee and they're going into new markets and they can use that guarantee to continue to investigate and collect data on the house show market with a limited um, amount of loss, because there's a lot less risk when somebody's paying you for the show rather than going to an arena and being like, I hope I sell 5,000 tickets. It's quite frankly, a really smart idea to start with and you can continue to grow and evolve from there. Um, but make the most important thing is they made it matter to the fan base right away by talking about it on the show and having a match stem from house rules. Now fans are going to be more interested to go see some of these shows, at least in theory. Yeah. And, you know, I do think it's uh could be a benefit to them business wise. If they keep going for the lower level markets, you know, not every market, Chicago or New York, as I can personally attest to where I live. Um, but if you hit those smaller markets with the house shows, I think you can get a decent little uh, house when you draw them in. Um, when you go to like, I don't know, uh, pick any third tier city here, um, Tempe, Arizona, or, um, you know, uh, Baton Rouge, or, or these other places that are at least in my mind, smaller cities, because they don't have a major league sports team. They have uh, minor league ones. And that's kind of how my broken brain classifies, you know, cities in the, in the United States. But I think it also mm-hmm. kind of works out too. Here's an idea for you because you mentioned minor league baseball. And one of the things that Jeff Jarrett did with global force wrestling was he had sold shows mm-hmm. at minor league baseball stadiums. Sure. Did. Could that be in the cards here? I think that would not be the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Uh, do like a little mini tour of some, some ballparks over the summer. You know, I think that could work out pretty well for him. So, uh, since you brought it up, I have to inform you about my local uh, independent baseball league team because it was a victim of the uh, Major League Baseball cutting a bunch of minor league teams from their affiliations. Uh, for a long time, we had the Lexington Legends here, and we still do, except they changed their name. And uh, they are now the counterclocks, Tyler, because both in baseball and in American horse racing, 
you run counterclockwise. It is a terrible name. What the fuck, man? <laughs> they had great That's... branding with the Legends 2 with like mustaches because their mascot was Big L who had like a giant mustache and they would sell a bunch of like hats with just mustaches on them. And now we got like the counterclocks. <sighs> How stupid is that? Oh. I, I am I am now mad online, Fred. I am mad online. I have my dog eating a the broken wheel on my big suitcase, which now I'm gonna have to buy another suitcase. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, we're we're having a good day. Um, let let's keep going. Um, that you talked about this last week um, about how good Stu Grayson was on last week's Dynamite, and yes, he was, and he mm-hmm. was. Uh, the match with Moxley was a little disjointed, but it ended up being pretty good. I still um, liked it. I thought it was a good match. Yeah, I, I just thought the like their chemistry initially was off, and then they. I kind don't of think they were on the same page match. initially, but it wasn't like no. awful. Like it was like you could drive a a truck through it. It just looked like they were kind of like, okay, what are we doing next? At a couple mm-hmm. points. Yeah. Um. But he has officially resigned with AEW. He got a really nice pop in Winnipeg, which I thought was nice. Um, obviously, um, I asked in the Discord, and our local um, uh, Canadian um, at with Voice of Wrestling is Griffin, and he informed us that he is from Quebec. Yes, so is. that is that was really nice to to see him get a nice pop um, out in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Um, and I'm, I'm glad Grayson is doing something better than just working like local indies because I watched one of those local indies. Uh, there he was in like a tag team match main event uh, back a couple months ago in Qu- the Quebec area, and my God, he just outclassed everyone else in that ring by like a huge margin. Um, but yeah, uh, nice to have Stu back. He's a great, uh, great worker, and he can fit right in as like a mid card kind of guy who can, uh, you know, I think he's going to play a decent role in this little. Uh, Black Cool Combat Club or Heels storyline. And uh, I don't know. I'm happy to have him back. Yeah, I'm happy to have him back too. And you know what I really want? I want a Super Smash Brothers tag run. Because when they came into the company, there was the our initial Dark Order gimmick and it was freaking weird. And it, they missed with it. But Dark Order's kind of become something. And now it's also died out. I I'm not really sure what the end game is, but I hope really it ends weird up position right now, isn't it? Yeah, and we'll talk about that. But I think an idea of a Super Smash Brothers tag team run sounds fun. Uno's working really hard. We know Stu Grayson's a great worker, and Uno's a that, great that promo. Kick ass. Like Uno is legit yeah. a, a very like a at least a very good promo, not great. Um, and I think he did a really good job building to his Moxley match. And uh, I think he performed great in that, too. Just was like the guy who fires up for a bit, then bleeds everywhere and dies. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, you can't. Yeah, I don't want you chewing that. Never mind. I'm trying to get him to chew something else. And it's not working so well. This podcast um, is focused extensively on mouths today. Yeah, it really is. And my throat's not doing well. So we'll see how this goes. Um Danhausen unfortunately got hurt at Revolution, which really stinks because I was hoping for a potential Danhausen Toriano match at Forbidden Door. Because let's be honest, how great would that be on the pre-show? Um, he tore his pec at Revolution, which means yeah. he's out at least six months if he has a surgery. If he rehabs it, maybe 
he could be back for Revolution, but that's not the kind of injury you want to r- rush somebody back from. On the plus side, he can uh, still walk around and do Dan Housen stuff as like a guy on the outside. So I don't think we're going to like completely lose him for half a year, but it is going to reduce our Dan Housening. It's unfortunate that he was doing really well for himself. Um, I think he acquitted himself pretty well in that match. And mm-hmm. hopefully he's able to rehab properly and come back 100%. Absolutely. Um, next piece of news, Goldberg is a free agent, Fred. And Tony Khan said, that's interesting to hear. How would you feel about Goldberg and AEW? And what would you do to ma- like maximize his impact? Uh, that's a real interesting one, isn't it? Um, I think you've got to use them in very short bursts. Um, I don't think you can have them sticking around for a long time. I certainly want to have them in the championship picture. Uh, but I do think like having them come in for you know, a single match could work very well uh, in AEW. Uh, it's just a matter of lining them up against the right guy. Um, obviously, you don't want to have it be a strong heel. Uh, unfortunately, I think away from MJF right now, there's not very many strong heels to put them opposite. So um, short of possibly just killing the guns and sending them back to somewhere else, um, foreshadowing there for what I'm going to talk about later. I don't know where he fits in. Uh, it's a very interesting question uh, where he would fit in. Uh, you could always partner him up with Sting for a short-term thing. You know, Obviously, there's a strong connection there. Or even have him kill Jeff Jarrett um, just as a one-off. I don't know. Uh, I think you could do something with him if you can get him in the right slot. But it's just a matter of finding that slot for him. Yeah, I think that's that's going to be a difficult one. But I do think that you could utilize Goldberg. And the first idea I had, which is probably the first idea everybody had, Goldberg versus Wardlow. Um, you obviously have the connection with Wardlow. Their entrances were very similar, especially when Wardlow was at his peak, like the kind of Goldberg entrance. We're following him through Gorilla, and then he comes out with the pyro and the fire, and you can make that. But I also think from a work rate perspective, it makes the most sense. Wardlow has not fully developed a the ability to have consistent, cohesive matches that are – that kind of string together. Um, he is m- much better right now at spot fest. Who better to have a, a power spot fest match than the king of power spot fest and Goldberg. I would argue that it probably worked better if they tag together. Um, I think that might work better. I think, I think there's an obvious comparison between the two. I don't think that a Wardlow Goldberg match would be good. Unless it was like just six minutes of beady men slapping me, which I would not be opposed to. Um, but they're a bit away from, I mean, I don't know. It, it just feels weird with Warlow since he's a baby face that's kind of been wronged right now. Now, you know, although you bring up Wardlow, I do think Wardlow promising a uh, mystery partner for a tag match against QT and either Hobbs or if you want Aaron Solo to be murdered to death here, that'd be fine. Um, that would be a good like third match on a pay-per-view kind of deal. Have Goldberg come in as Wardlow's secret partner and uh or not secret because you'd want to sell stuff with his name. Uh, but as his uh air quote surprise partner, uh that could work decently, I think. That might be something right there. Yeah, I think it could work. And it it would be very interesting to see kind of how that ends up working out. 
um, if it were to happen. But I also think we're we're a little too ambitious right now with that. Um, here's something uh, interesting uh, and kind of different from what we've been sensing. Christopher Daniels, uh, who works um, in the office for AEW, said in an interview with Wrestling Inc. that the AEW AAA relationship is in a good position. It certainly hasn't felt that way in recent months. Um, WW or sorry, AEW wrestlers have not really been going to AAA to wrestle, and you haven't seen a talent exchange outside of Vikingo this past week. Um, I, what's your take on that? Are we reading too much into the fact that they were having quote unquote issues, or is this something that maybe Christopher Daniels is just doing PR speak? Uh, you know, it's an interesting thing. I think it's definitely a positive they got Vikingo in to work this match. Now, the question is, was that work through AAA, or was that because of AEW possibly <clears throat> making a deal to have Vikingo join them on a primary basis? That's hard to say at this point in time. I don't think there's any real indication either way that we know. Um, but you know, I'd like to see things going forward, just like what that is if you know triple if AEW talent is sent to triple a shows um and how that progresses i do think that i think tony khan is very open to the idea of working with other promotions but i also think just to call a spade a spade um that i think when he wants to work with them it's very much a how does this benefit me thing and and this is primarily with like smaller promotions i'm excluding new japan from this uh, and it's less say, how can I help you kind of situation. I think with Impact, he very much benefited from having their world championship and uh, sending Kenny Omega there for a few times just to help further a storyline he was doing as the belt collector. Uh, but I don't think that Impact got too much outside out, out of that other than the bump from the Omega appearances, which you could say is a pretty big deal. Triple uh, A benefited from having the Bucks and Omega come in, of course, but there's also been a bunch of issues with getting, you know, later on getting AEW talent to actually show up. Uh, I think the last big show had like three different members of the AEW roster scheduled, none of whom showed up. Um, now, was that an AEW issue, a talent issue, or a Triple A issue? It's hard to say because Triple A were any of them visa me. issues. I think we know we've one, at least one. Issues. I think there's at least one visa issue, um, uh, but I think there was more a if they had started taking care of it earlier, they would have been able to get in the country kind of visa issue, not a Jamie Hader has to renew her visa issue. You know, if that makes sense. Um, I don't know. Triple um, A is kind of notoriously not the smoothest machine. You know, uh, when it comes to doing things in general, they very much don't seem to have a concerted plan for uh, for what they're doing. And so I think they're kind of unreliable in terms of just promoting themselves, never mind what AEW brings to it or doesn't. So I don't know. I feel like I've given you a very rambly answer of uh, nothing. <laughs> but I feel like I do that a lot sometimes. Um, I don't know. It's a complicated hey. situation. Congratulations, Fred. You are now five full select. Five dollars, please. Now, um, it's, we're going to actually transition because five full select just came out with a a report. A which, real report, not, not uh, the one I was goofing on. It's kind of real and it's kind of not. It's um, not nothing. 
So um, AEW All Out is going to be staying in Chicago, but they're having discussions about having All Out at United Center. Mm-hmm. Now, they they have sold out United Center the two times that they've ran it previously, one of them being Forbidden Door, the other being the first dance, which was the um, quote-unquote um, the debut of CM Punk in All Elite Wrestling. So bring all out over there all out is sold i they because they've been doing those strips all out i don't know if it officially sold out last year but all the single tickets sold out like immediately because they've been selling dynamite rampage and all out as a package that's great if you live in chicago if you're like me and you travel for the show i, I don't i don't want all three I, I just want all out because that's that's pretty much all I it's can make. It's a big out. ask. It's a big ask for fans to come in on a Wednesday and stick around till Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, exactly. Um, when you kind of combine everything, it's like that's a lot. And I think people would be more apt to pay for Rampage and Dynamite at the Now Arena, as kind of the Fightful Select report indicates might be a thing, um, than actually like pay for all three because that that can be a lot. Um, plus, it also may open up the fact that, hey, United Center sells 20. Uh, can You can get, depending on the stage setup, you could put 20,000 people in the United Center if you don't have a stage and do the old school like MSG setup where you just come out of the corner and there's they put like a mini video board up and that's it. Like you, you could probably get 20,000 people in there now. With a real wrestling setup, you're probably talking 15, 16. That, that's still a massive improvement over the 10 you were getting at the now arena. Yep. Um, plus, the arena is really nice. There's more than one entrance, which is a huge draw for people <laughs> trying to get in. Um, I, and I did not get to go to the Forbidden Door Suite, but the suites are a lot nicer too um, than the now arena. This would be a very interesting move for all elite wrestling to go to the United center, to commit to that bigger building. And I think it's a sign of positive returns. Yeah. And uh, I think that if they could do it, it'd obviously be a, a boon to them, assuming they can fit, move those extra five or six K tickets. And uh, it's a profitable move too. Um, I can't imagine that like, you know, let's say that, okay, if there's 5,000 tickets, they're going for, let's be conservative and say 75 bucks a piece. I don't know. Um, on average, maybe that's overshooting it. Uh, but that would be like, what, uh, $375,000 uh, net there. I can't imagine. Would the United Center cost that much more than now to use? I don't know. I think so. Now, here's why I think so, Fred. The Now Arena is basically like... the. It could be torn down, and there wouldn't really be much loss. The the Windy City Bulls, I think, is what they're called, the G League team. No, the G League team. Yeah, that's the G Um, League team. But I also think aren't the Chicago Sky based out of there too? I don't think so. Um, Let me double check. I don't think they're United Center. They're Wintrust Arena. So a third. Oh, they play at Wintrust. Wintrust is where DePaul plays basketball. See, Mm -hmm. here's the weird thing about the WNBA. I think. Every franchise is owned by an NBA franchise. I think or six, if, I think I think like ten out of twelve are. Yeah. Um, I know the Minnesota Timberwolves and Minnesota Lynx. Uh, obviously Timberwolves and Lynx come from the same like yeah. phylum 
So it, that makes sense as far as like their nickname, but there are a lot of other teams and the Lynx play at target center. Mm-hmm. And so I, like, it would have been a natural thing for like yourself. Hey, let's assume they play in United Center because that's where the Bulls play. It makes total that's sense. That's not the case. That's not the case, though, because I know that. Uh, well, no, no, York... I know. I was, I was just okay, trying to okay, link sorry. the two together. Sorry, but... I, I used to write about the WNBA a little bit, so this is actually well, like self knowledge. Yeah. I, I knew you wrote about women's basketball, but I didn't realize it was specifically the WNBA. Learning new things today about you, Fred. Um, but it, it'll be interesting to see how, how they uh, how they end up uh, kind of doing things. Um, so, okay, so this is interesting. Um, it says Jamie Hayter missed Dynamite due to visa renewal. That must have been last week, correct? Uh, it was last night. I thought she was on Dynamite last night. Who came down with Britt Baker to attack? That was last week, I think. I think you're getting them confused. Last night, the save was Riho and Willow Nightingale. Oh, it was. I did watch both episodes yesterday. Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah. you're getting, how dare you, Tyler? You know what? Um, I didn't even want to go on. You come vacation. in here with I, your your football knowledge and your wide receivers and your tight ends. You know what? <laughs> I'm over you already, Fred. I'm gonna go back on vacation. Uh, make make you edit the show again. Um, all the edits this... I did last year, last week. <laughs> Probably nothing like I do every <laughs> week. Um, <laughs> Will Ospreay uh, appears to have injured his shoulder in the uh, New Japan Cup quarterfinal match against um, Aussie Open's Mark Davis. Um, we do know that he was pulled from WrestleMania weekend and I believe Sakura Genesis, that tour. But th- there hasn't been anything else concrete. Um, it's been speculated, I believe, by uh, Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer. And please correct me if I'm wrong, that the injury is uh, believed to have been somewhat severe. Um, yeah, it's. I, I'm not sure how severe yet. I do think his being at Forbidden Door is possibly in risk. Um, but we don't have enough information to make any kind of conclusion about that right now. Uh, I do know he was replaced on the upcoming uh, Impact New Japan show this coming next week. Yeah, uh, look, it stinks that we don't get Speedball versus uh, Will Ospreay. We get Speedball versus Hiroshi Tanahashi which will be fun as hell. That's a different kind of cool. Um, and I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, 100%. Now, let's get through the news because there's a lot on the show that I want to talk about. Um, Soraya tweeted that she was fine for using the word twat. Gosh, that's that's tremendous. That's tremendous working right there. Who, who cares about the word twat? I know, they, they, good stuff. They, like, that's just great heel work. Like, we have made fun of Soraya on this podcast. Not necessarily made fun of, but been very critical. That rules. That was probably the best that, thing she's done at the company yet, to be honest. And that is not insulting. That rocks. No, um, it was you, that's not a diss at all, man. <laughs> that um, I got incredible. I do have to say, um, again, when uh Soraya was on camera last night and they didn't get a get a promo, but I forget which announcer said it, but what it was like Soraya keeps saying this is her house. Again, my wife's go away heat with Soraya continued, and she just looked over at me during the show and just like rolled her eyes aggressively. Not a fan. It's good stuff, is what it is. Um let's talk ratings. Um by the time you hear this, the ratings for this week's time may well have come out, but we are recording in the early afternoon beforehand. So last week's Dynamite from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, 852,000 
uh, viewers, 0.27-18-49, 11th on the day. Um, Fred, that's bad. 11th? That's not great, but I think there was a lot of basketball going on, wasn't there? I know the tournament had not started properly, but was there like... Was it, was you had the, the first, first two first night? four games. Yeah, two first four games. Um, I can't remember who was playing in them. I can't either. I've barely been paying attention to the tournament this year. It hasn't been helped out by Kentucky losing. Um, Yay! Boo, Kentucky. You. How dare you? Listen, I, I came, I came by this honest. I have the student loans to prove it. All right. If left to my own devices, I would have been cheering for Marshall like an idiot who would never actually see them in the tournament, except for like once a decade. So, yeah, um, not great, but a very good rampage number. But it did have the March Madness lead in. But I think it's important that it started at twelve oh six a.m. Eastern time. Yeah, uh, it was the number twenty six cable original. Still. 474,000 with a March Madness lead in. Now, they usually do a little bit of a post-game gimmick before they go to Rampage. So this wasn't just going from right from basketball, cut, and then hit Rampage, like you see with some NFL games where you cut, and then it goes right to the next one. No, this is an impressive number, even with the lead in. Um, Like, that's a lot of viewers for 12.06 Eastern on a Friday night. Yeah, that's a very good number considering the time slot of, like, just absolute death. Uh, I, I, am kind of curious. I don't think I remember seeing a, uh, like a quarter sheet or anything like that, but I am curious, like what the drop off was on that show and just how big of a boost they got from switching over from basketball. But I mean, Mm -hmm. still, regardless, that is a solid number that they managed to pull off. Um, I do have breaking news for you. Um, okay. Legit. Like not, I'm not goofing on the, the fightful Sinsky thing. Um, Apparently on the Observer Radio last night, which I have not listened to yet, I, I listened to that on Thursday nights with my wife because we bond with uh, Robo Dave. Um, don't question our relationship; everything's fine. Um, so apparently Meltzer said that CM Punk is uh, once back in AEW, and okay. uh, that you know Tony Khan's going to have to make some kind of decision on that. But that's that's the entirety of the report. Um, I do think that Meltzer has had, like, from the CM Punk camp, if not actual mm-hmm. CM Punk himself, uh, sources for stories going back to the brawl-out situation. Uh, so I think there is something to this. I don't think it's just Meltzer uh, going off half-cocked with a, uh, you know, bad source or something. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I think that's extremely interesting. I I don't have, you know, we obviously don't have any actual news on the situation to go over. Uh, But I think CM Punk, that's a really interesting situation, Tyler. Um, Do you, do you bring back CM Punk if you're Tony Khan? I feel like we could talk about this for hours, so we'll try to keep this kind of short, but. I bring him in if it makes sense and my talent is okay with it. I, I really see no negative drawback from a money drawing perspective. There just isn't one. Uh, It's the only drawback about bringing in CM Punk back to your company is what's your talent going to think about it? Yeah. Like how does your talent feel about it? 
Well, if they're okay with it, if if they're okay with it, Fred, hell yeah, who cares? Do it. Absolutely. This is one of the biggest no-brainers. But your talent needs to approve it. Your talent needs to be okay with it. Um, And if they're not, you can't do this. Yeah, unless... Unless you make the business decision that Punk's happiness means a lot more than the Elite's happiness and Jericho's happiness. That's complicated calculus right there. Um, what if the Elite are okay with it, but Jericho isn't? What if, you know, vice versa? What if Young Bucks are fine with it, but Omega isn't? I don't know. Uh, there's all these different scenarios that could be the case that we don't know uh, because no one's talking about it for the most part. Um I don't know. Another thing to think to consider is that even before uh, Punk left injured the first time, um, well, when he came back, I think we can safely say that the numbers were not where they were during his original pre-first injury run. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just, I don't know, is that something that was going to get hot again, or was that just going to be like normal CM Punk levels of over? And I don't. We obviously don't have an answer to that. I think if you go to the elite, you go to Jericho, you go to your locker room leaders, uh, whoever they may be outside of those four individuals. Daniel Garcia, because we learned last night. <laughs> I, you know, you know who I would go to. I'll go to Sting. Yeah, I would ask Sting. Sting has th- seen everything. Oh God. Um, so much. And you ask those guys, hey, listen, Punk wants to come back. Um, I know there's huge money in him coming back. So from a business perspective, it makes sense. From a work rate perspective, Punk can still go. That makes sense. But we have this cloud hanging over our heads because of what happened with Brawlout, because of how he attacked all of you, because of how he has acted in accordance to everything. Is this worth bringing him back? And if I were to do it, how would you feel about it would you be supportive would you be okay you ask those questions yeah i I, depending on those answers you do it or you don't well i also think you have to consider that like there's no guarantee that this is the winning play either because cm punk has his own baggage even outside of that fight you know he is a guy who's notorious for holding grudges is that going to affect him going Mm -hmm. forward um he is kind of notorious for uh you know, at times being unhappy rather publicly, you know, we definitely saw a lot of that last June. Do you, are you concerned about that returning? Uh, so I don't know. It's just a super complicated situation where I don't think there's a very clear answer. It's just you got to play it uh, by your gut and by what you think plays best with your locker room. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting because. I I think they're going to end up doing it. I really do. Um, here's the thing. And we know that Vince McMahon has, has found, we found out he's a sex best. But as a promoter, one thing that he always did that I think Tony Khan can learn from and become a better promoter because of it is that time heals all wounds. And eventually, if there's money to be made, you figure your shit out, you set it aside, and you all go make that money. He did it with Hulk Hogan. He brought in, I mean, obviously it he bombed it because it's Vince and he has the he has an ego the size of Jupiter, but they brought in the NWO. 
the like the outsiders and Hogan, like, and they had the NWO. Um, the creative decisions behind that are different, but he he generally brought them in. Bruno San Martino, Bret Hart, Ultimate Warrior. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of examples of him bringing people back and doing business with them because it made sense financially. I think because of the type of businessman Tony Khan is and what businesses he is part he partakes in with professional football, professional soccer, and now wrestling, he will end up being that same kind of promoter where if it makes sense, we're just going to do it and we're going to figure it out. Yeah, uh, I think you probably can't not take the shot, but I also think there's a chance of there being serious damage done to your company if it doesn't work out, which is kind of the the scary side of things. Um, I think that concludes the news for the week. Yeah, thank goodness. Um, I'm ready to talk about this show. Fred, overall thoughts on on Dynamite. What did you think? If it wasn't for the Kingo Omega, I think this could have gone down really depending on how that left that last half hour would go as one of the worst dynamites in history. Um, it was teetering on the edge of disaster. There was some uh, decent stuff on the show and then some like bad stuff on the show. And uh, I don't know. It, it's that first three fourths of it was pretty inessential and it, it got bailed out pretty hard by uh, Omega Osprey. I'm sorry, Omega Vikingo, and then the aftermath of that match. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from Arena Club. The only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying hey look at some random cards whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 
10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. If I could have a moment of your time, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all three-in-one, offering you triple security. So you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door. But it's not just for security. The Eufy Video Lock is also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys, and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras. Some other great features we love about the Eufy Video Lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required, Keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking. Again, 0.3 seconds, it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock. And with the AI self-learning chip embedded, the more you use it, the more accurate it will be. Also, no battery anxiety. You have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months. And you will get a low battery notification before it runs out. Uh, passcode unlocking a remote control with the 2K Clear Sight. See who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service. Yuffie's got you handled as well. They're on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Yuffie video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys and reach in my pocket or wait, no, crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the UV video lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition. One second. Door is unlocked. Much, much easier. So if you want to jump on board with Eufy Video Lock, search Eufy Video Lock. That is E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Again, that's Eufy Video Lock, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Yeah, it's... That match was incredible, and we're going to get to it. But let's start out with that aforementioned six-man tag. But before the six-man tag got started, the Bucks were shown, which I missed because I missed like the first two minutes of the show. Um, they were being loaded into the into an ambulance and transported to the hospital after an apparent attack. Um, it got 
kind of leaked later on that the attack was believed to be by the Blackpool Combat Club. Um, and, but what was interesting is um, Hangman Page accompanied the Bucks mm-hmm. in the ambulance. Don Callis got Kenny Omega out of there because, trying to keep him focused on tonight's match. Interesting dynamic here. What did you think of this? I think we're definitely going to see Don Callis try to break, break up the elite. And this is like the first real step of that. And I think there's a big old storyline they got planned involving Takeshita as well, with Don Callis showering attention on him. If you watched last Rampage, I think it was mm-hmm. with uh, him greeting him in the Winnipeg airport in a great little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought this, I, I like the start of this angle, and I'm curious to see where it goes. Um, I think that all these guys have a great story left to tell, and hopefully they're able to do that. One little note from the segment. Did you notice the trailer? That they had a bunch of crap lean against the trailer over one person's face in particular. No, because I, I missed the the it first the, two minutes. They, they, they apparently, according to screenshots going around of other shots of this truck, apparently had a bunch of, like... Uh, you know, wood and stuff uh, leaning against CM Punk's face on the truck, <laughs> which was extremely petty. Um, I love it. I absolutely love it. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this was a decent opening. Um, some people, I think, didn't care much for the ambulance aspect. And I'm not like hooting and hollering over here over the return of the guy leaves an ambulance, comes back and stole an ambulance to whoop ass thing. But also, I didn't have a problem with it. I thought Paige did a good job with it, but that's later down the road. We got a six-man here with Kip Sabian, the Butcher, and the Blade against Darby, Orange Cassidy, and Sting. And Orange Cassidy came out with the greatest face paint in the history of professional wrestling. Just an O and a C underneath his eyes. Like, he needs eye black. Look, this yeah. isn't a Daily's Place pandemic taping. Like, that, that was phenomenal. I, um, I, I, I laughed really hard. I enjoyed this match pretty well. It was fun. I did too. Um, I really enjoyed this match. And one thing that I, I really enjoyed about this match was Sting. I, like, I don't care that this man is 62. He can wrestle I don't competently. Think he cares either, man. <laughs> yeah. He can wrestle competently. And you know what was awesome? He did He did the Orange Cassidy gimmick. Yeah, he like, did. <laughs> he, we we, he we need <laughs> we need or we need sting in in the canadian tuxedo yes at we some do. point in the future that needs to happen mm-hmm. as you can see the hungry dog trying to play with me while while we are talking about this show we got a run in here that we always get a run in from either the hungry dog or the hungry cat and today it's the dog um no odie you cannot chew on that uh <laughs> He, he missed me. He's a nine-month-old French bulldog puppy, so he's a stubborn little bugger, and he loves his dad. He loves me very much, but he's he usually doesn't bug me during shows, so this is different for us. But um, I really liked how he did, he, as I said, he did the Orange Cassidy gimmick. He did the kicks. The roll away the splash. The, the roll away it was just beautiful. And then after the kicks, instead of doing like a, a load-up kick – he just does a huge King Kong Larry and's like, yeah. you. Ah, 
He it also does great. like Orange Cassidy style, like chest beating for a little bit. It, it was it was very amusing. <laughs> uh, I thought I thought Sting was the star of this match, obviously, and uh, it was just a lot of fun. Uh, you got some short bursts of Darby and Orange getting their cool offense in, and then uh, you know I thought that in general the heels were fine. Um, Kip Sabian and the Blade are both like squarely in in jag territory for me. I mean, I think I think the Blade in particular is like solid. And I don't mind seeing the blade around. I kept saying, you know, I'm kind of, I think I'm done with him. Uh, but the butcher is still cool as hell. Um, I thought this was like a, a gentleman's three of a match. Yeah, um, I'll be honest. I think uh, gentleman's three is a good way to put it. The work was competent and fine. Um, but the biggest thing for me was Sting is fun. Please don't retire. Just stay around forever. But yeah. Like, uh, I, I'm very intrigued to see what, like, Darby Allen, because he, look, it's tropey, but he looked at that double or nothing banner. And I'm a little surprised that they might actually be holding off on this four way till double or nothing, because I thought this would be a good, like, hey, a placeholder title defense, like, beginning of April. We don't have all April. the pay so we're going to fill some time here. Yeah. But because of MJF's gimmick and how he just doesn't wrestle anymore, it's actually kind of perfect um, that he's not going to have a title defense until, whatchamacallit, um, Memorial Day weekend, which yeah. I still hate because it's like, I hate that that shows on Memorial Day weekend because I can almost never watch it live because my wife's birthday's on the 29th. But at that point, it's all semantics. So, um, yeah, uh, this was overall a really fun start to the show. Um, let's continue on. The, um, afterwards, I didn't even realize this was a match because I had been gone. Uh, the Guns take on top flight Dante and Darius Martin for the AW World Tag Team titles. Um, this match was fine. At the end, you had the Kingdom coming down and beating up on Dante, and then they and the Guns hit uh, 310 to Yuma, I think is what they call it. Um, it's basically like the big, like it's a flapjack with a flatliner. It kind of looks like the big rig, but it's a flatliner instead of a code breaker. Um, overall, I thought this match was fine, but it wasn't know, bad, but it wasn't good either. That was a gentleman's three for me. Like I went the work was order. I just, mm. the work was inoffensive. And to me, that's what a gentleman's three is. It's an, it's the work is solid, but a match wasn't good. It was just fine. Like, yeah, it was. It was a very mediocre match. And like, I'm out on this on the guns as tag champs. Um, mm-hmm. If they could work at all, I think it'd be, they'd be a good act. But like, they they they. It's one thing to be like chicken shit heels. That's fine, sure. Mm-hmm. But it's another to like do that and then have like very bland matches every time out. Uh, they've had the worst match I've seen with the Acclaim in a long time, and they've had the worst match I think I've ever seen with Top Flight now, um, excluding, like, squashes. Uh, so, like, if they can't step it up in the ring, then, like, they just need to be shuffled down, like, significantly. You know, FTR just needs to beat them quick. We need to not prolong this feud, and uh, we just need to move on to something that I'll enjoy. Speaking of... Let's talk about that because FTR did come out and challenge and the guns were very hesitant to accept the challenge. So they're like, okay, well, um, we'll never challenge for the titles again. No, 
we were not doing that. And Austin was just being way over the top, being a complete chicken shit. And then, well, what if we don't tag together anymore in AEW? And they still said no. So now the stipulation is they will leave AEW forever if, if they don't win the tag titles. My question to you is this, twofold. One, if this ends up being a trope, do you like the trope? And two, do you think that this means that FTR is going back to the Fed, WWE? Or do you think that this is, hey, we're just we're going to do this and we're going to swerve everybody, but we're staying in AEW? Yeah, or I mean, it could mean them going to Ring of Honor, I guess. But I, I really do think it's just going to be that FTR wins the belts back in the match and, you know, they'll move forward. I think that. I don't think this will be a particularly long feud moving forward. I think it's just going to be them building up to the match, FTR winning, and then that's the end of the feud. Um, but that's just my uh, my my stick, you know, my take here. So I, I just I hate this kind of tropey stuff. Um, maybe it's just because I'm annoyed of how it ended up happening with Jay White. I I thought that one kind of stunk, even though it ended up working. Like I just. I, if you're leaving the territory, just leave. Don't don't create these like stipulations just because. I think they're playing off the, all the speculation, though. I mean, I think it fits into that pretty well. And if they are actually leaving them, losing a loser leaves, to, you know, match. I mean, that's a decades old precedent, you know. So that'd be fine. And I also think there's a pretty good chance that they're just going to win, and it's just a attempt to play off the speculation. But. It's fine. I'm not. Yeah. I I'm definitely not going wild for it. I'm not. You know. Uh, again, I, I'm just not into what the goods are doing at all. And, uh, yeah. I'm not into the guns either, so I, I'm with you. Um, Jade Cargo backstage with Smart Mark Sterling. Um, so they had a cease and desist to stop Taya Valkyrie from using Jade's finisher. Layla challenged Taya to a match on Rampage this Saturday, which, interestingly enough, um, from listener and also voice of wrestling contributor, South Dakota Jones. Um, he ended up saying in our channel in the Discord, which we're not in, make sure you go, um, that, that Valkyrie was surprisingly over on the Rampage taping right after Dynamite. So that is going to be something. Yeah, I, was ready, I was ready to come in here and bury the signing because Valkyrie stinks. But if she's over, maybe well, it's still barrier. it balances out enough. Yeah, yeah, that's very funny. I guess we'll oh, hey, I have no problem bearing anybody. But yeah, it's it I think it's gonna be a big will see. And that's it's about the best that's about as good of endorsement as you can give to Ty Valkyrie. This was my favorite thing on the match outside of the main event. FTW champion Hook versus the firm Stokely Hathaway. Oh my God. Um Excalibur said on commentary, Stokely Hathaway looks like a man walking to the gallows. Um and it the intro, uh, Stokely's Stokely's entrance was so great all around. I mean, he's not as large as the men he represents, but he has the heart of a lion and the wisdom of an owl. <laughs> just so much great stuff here. Uh, hugging Bryce, uh, he's got says Doctor Simpson did not clear him. Of course, you know Doc Samson. Samson. Yeah, famously, uh, he also declares he's retiring and has a, uh, a doctor's note that should get him out of the match, but it's just a receipt from Wingstop that someone has written he's sick on. <laughs> um, God, just fantastic. Um, you get the one moment of Stokely, like, fire extinguishing a hook and then looking right at the camera and saying, I ain't a killer, but don't push me. That's Tupac. 
God, I, I just this was the best thing Stokely's done the entire time he's been a, in the AEW. Yeah, um, great stuff. Um, and then Hook just beat the living piss out of him. Didn't God. didn't get a table. Got a piece of um, like the guardrail and and nice little uh, um, T bone suplex onto it. Just Looks beat the living terrible. piss out of him. Look. Stokely took some bumps in this uh, man. Look, Stokely sold it like a million bucks. This was this was a 10 out of 10 pro wrestling segment. Um, the heel got his comeuppance. My one of my favorites was all the firm standing in the back watching, and Hook pulls out weapons, and Ethan Page is like, We didn't train for this. (laughs) It's an OBQ match. I I wish I, I could like page more because he he does have these little quips sometimes that are just amazing, and this was one of them. Um, I thought he really, he and Matt Hardy, I think, have actually been very good in the talking portions of this storyline. Uh, with Beth, Matt Hardy, like clearly being happy that Stokely's getting killed, and uh, you know, not wanting to, but like keeping it together enough to to kayfabe his way through it. I mean, I, I love from Rampage last week where Hardy kept body slamming Stokely, and Ethan Page comes up. Uh, well, Matt Hardy goes, you got to be ready for this. He's the human suplex machine. And, and Ethan Page pops his head in off screen and goes, then why are you body slamming him? Which just <laughs> cracked me up. I mean, th- that stuff has been good. Um, I, I, you know, I, the only match rating I could give this is the rare LOL, which is the second match I've ever given that rating to the first being Sean Dean versus MJF last year. Um, great stuff. No notes. Yeah. Like just all time stuff. This and then it got followed up by a pretty good segment where Adam Cole comes out with a microphone. He's like, Who's ready for story time with Adam Cole, baby? Talking about his in ring return next week. It'll be his first match since Forbidden Door last year, which was June twenty sixth. Um, and then he's talking about it and he's like, Oh, everybody's asking me who my opponent is. Danny Garcia's music comes out and this was awesome. Garcia was like, I'm the best professional rep. And then he stalls for a second. It's like sports entertainer. Like this was, this was awesome. Um, I think it'll be a a very, Oh yeah. He's going to be a mega star, but right now he can lose and it doesn't matter. Yeah. That's the nice part. He's getting all these reps. He's over as hell and he can, you can beat him like a drum. Um, This was great. We're going to be Adam Cole versus Daniel Garcia next week, presumably the main event leading into the debut episode of AEW All Access. This was, the, this was great. Yeah, I, I thought this was actually the second best thing on the show behind the, the main event. Um, I thought this was a great promo from Garcia. I think Cole came off very well. They're both really over, and I'm excited for this match. You should be excited for this match because it's going to be good. G-U-D good. Um, let's, uh, let's continue on with the show. Uh, Marvez, Alex Marvez, um, walks into the elite soccer room and Omega's upset, uh, that he didn't go with, uh, the bucks to the hospital. Callus assurance was the best thing that happened because, um, Omega can now focus on Vikingo and Omega was kind of torn up about it. I think this is going to continue to be a big storyline and we got an even bigger payoff later. Um, did you have any thoughts about this? 
Uh, I thought it was a good little segment. I, th- I I think Don Callis is getting to shine here, which is great. And he's uh, he, he's a good commentator, like a very good commentator, but he's great at being a slimy manager. Um, and I think that uh, this storyline is going to really play into his strengths. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how this continues to evolve. We'll talk more about that later now we had the aforementioned Stu Grayson against John Moxley really weird at first but they it got good um at the end before Moxley um uh, ended up getting the um avalanche death rider um and then locking the bulldog choke after the match to spurn um the dark order coming out and trying to save Grayson this was this was fine this was pretty good yeah, I like this uh, decent. This is like a three and a half star match to me. Uh, really carried by the post commercial break part, but I thought that you know there were some flaws with it, but I thought it was still pretty good overall. Yeah, um, no, no complaints here. Um, Renee Paquette was backstage with Ricky Starks, basically issues him an open challenge for Rampage. Be a man or not, I don't give a damn anymore. Um, I don't know where this juice Starks thing is going, but I think they need to speed it up a little bit and get it more juicy than what it is. And I don't say that trying to be punny. Like it's, you had the attack, you had the, the, the two vignette, you had the vignette and then the Ricky Starks response last week. And now it's just Starks calling him out. Like I, I get, I get the general concept of the week to week storytelling, but they, I think they could be doing better. Yeah. It's, Seems like they've yet to like really. I mean, they kind of started the feud, but it feels like they've really. Uh, uh, he's really yet to um, like properly enter it, I guess. I'm not sure. I did enjoy Starks almost dropping an F bomb, whether that was an intentional fake out or not. Uh, that was a funny little moment. Um, hopefully, we get, you know. Maybe it'll get going for real on Rampage. I guess we'll see. Uh, because Starks is scheduled to do something, probably a talking segment. Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty much. Um, let's uh, let's keep going. Um, speaking of talking segments, this is kind of a perfect transition. Another episode of QTV. Um, and then it would be um, Powerhouse Hobbs versus Pento El Cerro Miedo on... Um, Rampage. One, we heard this was a good match from a couple people. Two, oh, yeah. cool. what do you think of this TMZ style uh, gimmick? Because this is a straight ripoff of that that stupid syndicated yeah, that TMZ whole deal. Um, look, it, you know, last week they had a couple good lines. This week I laughed at uh, Aaron Solo proclaiming he hacked into some Observer guy's account, Twitter account. That was pretty funny. But other than that, I have hated these segments. I think that it, they just stink. I don't think they're getting Powerhouse Hobbs over. I think they're getting QT Marshall over. And it's not a situation where QT is like transferring the heat over, I don't think. I think it's it's made Hobbs not the star of the situation. And that sucks because Hobbs is awesome. And QT Marshall, you know, keeping his goons around Powerhouse Hobbs, that'd be fine. Sure, go for it. But this... I think that the whole parodying TMZ thing feels like 10 years out of date already. And I don't know. I just don't want this on my show. It's not worth it for me. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, I thought it was a fun one-off. Now that it's continuing, um, man, like it, this is getting annoying. Let's uh, let's do something here. Like this, this stinks. This is bad. Yeah, it's not. It's generally not entertaining. Like I said, both both segments had little short lines that I enjoyed, but I'm not into the overall vibe of this stuff. So, no. Um, next up, we had um, Tony Storm versus Sky Blue, and this wasn't bad. Um, it was fine. Um, I think Sky Blue. This is one of her better performances. She didn't. I didn't see any botches. I thought she worked pretty well with with Tony Storm. Like I'd say, that's probably the biggest takeaway for me here. They gave it three and a quarter. Like nothing special. Nice little TV match, but to see Sky Blue not really make any mistakes, I thought was nice. Yeah, I thought Sky looked pretty good in this, but I also was not super into this match. Like I just went. I thought it was bog standard. I went two stars on it. Um... Wow, you hated this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't. I, two is like my average. Two, two is average to me. So, like, this is just an extremely average match. Um, nothing wrong with it, but nothing really strong about it either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, but what was most important was they were they were going to paint Sky Blue after the match after beating her up, but Riho and Willow Nightingale ran down as you mentioned. Um, Jamie Hader was unable to get in the country due to visa issues which has kind of been a common place in wrestling these days. It's not just an AEW yeah. thing, unfortunately. It's really weird how that's... It, I don't recall <laughs> this being an issue like 10 years ago to this extent where like guys would have to leave the country for a couple weeks to to go get their visa renewed and miss stuff. Like I, I don't know what happened, if there was some policy change on the federal level that caused this or what, but it seems like an industry-wide thing and very odd. Maybe it's a post-pandemic thing. That's Maybe. the only thing I can think of. That's um, a possibility, I guess, but it's just, it, it sucks. I mean, it, I don't think it's having real massive implications on the industry. Because uh, I don't think you can, not yet. I don't think you can blame like Pac on this. You know, I think Pac's schedule is just what Pac wants to do. And I guess, you know, if that's what he wants to do, fine. Though I really do wish we got more Pac. Um, as the Hungy Cat has had enough of my bullshit. She, she wants Pac back too, I guess. Um. Yeah. Um. You know, I, I, I. That's something I'm kind of curious about, but I've never heard anyone do any like reporting on that yet. Yeah. Um. We'll, we'll end up seeing. Um. Last thing we saw before the main event, Sue Grayson was backstage being tended to by the AW medical staff, and the Blackpool Combat Club, Club ambushed him with Moxley choking out, um, Stu Grayson. I really wonder where this thing is going because it, it was um, them feuding with Dark Order, and now it looks like that's going to um, kind of continue in with the Elite uh, because of the Hangman Page connection. I really think this could end up being a blood and guts, but right now there's only three BCC guys, and how they end up maneuvering with that, I think, I think will be very interesting. All right, last up, main event, Kenny Omega versus El Hio Del Vikingo. I don't know what you want to say about this match, Fred, other than, Eddie. listen, 
I was so annoyed by stupid people like Raj Geary, who just bad faith everything to oblivion, not WWE and even WWE itself, um, saying, oh, how can you be making this match? And in a now deleted tweet, it was like, well, you wouldn't shoehorn Okada versus Roman Reigns on five days build. No, like, okay, one, uh, Raj, you're bad faithing and you're a fucking idiot. Um, Two, it's not like there's no story. They've been trying to make this match for years. Mm -hmm. And guess what? They even gave you a nice little 30-second video package on Rampage telling you that they already had a match scheduled for this mega title and they've been trying to get it scheduled. Like, they told you the story. They told you. And it's still not good enough because it wasn't two months of video packages before the match happened. No, it's just bad faith bullshit. And I was so mad about it while I was on vacation. I wrote a piece on it. And you know what I said at the end? It it rules. Just be happy that you get to see it on free television because Vikingo is going to do some 1996 Rey Mysterio shit. It's going to get gift to oblivion. And everybody's going to be like, wow, this guy's incredible. So you know what? Um, USA Today's website, For the Win, where they talk about all things pop culture and sports. Um, Christian D'Andrea wrote a nice little piece talking about the debut of Vikingo on AEW. And guess what? Related him to 1996 Rey Mysterio. Gran Akuma, a former professional wrestler. You might know him best from Chikara. Compared him to 1996 Rey Mysterio. This guy's incredible, and you got to see it for free. Why are people mad about this? This was on free television. There are there are dorks who have positioned themselves to completely hate uh, anything AEW does. And I'm not saying the promotion is beyond reproach or anything, but I'm I'm talking about the bad faithers. Uh, They're you know the people that are like this is too complex. I I don't understand who Vikingo is. Apparently, those people weren't in the arena because they were going crazy for Vikingo minutes in, let alone by the end of the match. Um, this match was perfect. I mean, it was this was like the best performance I've seen from Vikingo in his entire career, and I've been following him for a few years now uh, since he really started to gain prominence in Triple L. Um, the dude is amazing and he didn't mess up a single thing on this night. Everything was flawless. All his shit looked great. Uh, and this match, this is my second favorite match of the year, period. Uh, granted, I haven't seen as much stuff as I should have because I'm behind due to work, but this was just an absolutely amazing match. One of my favorite matches of all time. You could make the argument, in my opinion, that this is the greatest TV match of all time, I think. Um, I thought this was just fantastic. Omega was great, but he made sure that Vikingo looked like one million bucks coming out of this, and he sure as hell did. Yeah. Um, listen, I gave this match five stars. Um, maybe I'm just I just love wrestling too much because I have six five star matches on the year already. Oh, man. Um, three of those coming at Revolution. Um, I broke this. this was... I've got six, and that includes three scale breakers because I'm one of those weirdos, but there's nothing wrong with that um this was incredible um i think it might have been better as a non-tv match or a match without commercials because they had the two slight commercial breaks where they kind of slowed things down but this was awesome um you had vikingo doing vikingo stuff like the the twisting poison rana from the top rope um you had the step up on the middle rope, the the six thirty senton splash through a table. Like, there's so much great about this. Did, 
it's hard to truly comprehend Absolutely everything fantastic. that we saw. Um, you had Vikingo at his best. You had Omega being like the big power heel, just kind of like beating him down. Like this was phenomenal. Um, Every single I, high spot was just like the the six thirty through the table was my god, and there was not like much air, margin for error on that. Maybe the clunkiest thing was when Omega monkey flipped Vikingo on the apron. It it almost felt like that was supposed to be clunky. He kind of gave the illusion he was going to fly through that table. Yeah, um, I think I think they were definitely trying to tease that a little bit because um, I thought for sure that was going to be the table bump, and then it was like, oh, he's not getting anywhere near that table. <laughs> I knew that uh, Vikingo was going to do one of those step up gimmicks, but oh yeah, God Almighty. Oh, that was See, so good. Imagine just trying to like, like I said, having to position yourself as a guy that hates everything AEW does, and trying to like legitimately argue this was bad. Actually, you're a bad person if you do that. This was uh, this is amazing. Just, um, uh, just what a shitty gimmick to commit yourself to. Just like to not just enjoy this great match i don't know man yeah just great um honestly great uh i hope that this means vikingo is going to be an aw more often um cubs fan um at lucha blog on twitter uh who is the foremost lucha expert in the united states of america uh hinted that this he could be coming back in sooner than we think which to me says he may be back real quick and that would be exciting. Yeah, um that would be uh, if we get Vikingo on the regular that would be perfect. Like I can't think of a better place for him. I think it'd be even better for him than in Triple Um mm-hmm. I you know, I think Vikingo uh when I did my top 50 wrestlers of the year for 2022, um I ended up with him I think at 35th. Uh, and that's with pretty limited exposure. Like I didn't watch every single Vikingo match that year, uh, but he was regularly having great matches in 2022. And it, the, I think this might've been like his best performance period that I've seen from him. I know I've already said that, but like, mm-hmm. it was just super impressive. Yeah, this is, this, this was great. Um, there really is no other way to put it other than this was legit. Great. And it's it's awesome. Um, wrestling just rules, and enjoy it. And yeah. I'm I'm glad that all those people. I've not been perusing wrestling Twitter to see the reactions from like your WWE bad faithers, but I don't understand how you could see this and do anything um, other than this was just great. Yeah, uh, I think that it's been very positively review, uh, received everywhere. Like on Cage Match, it has like a, a granted, it's, you know, Cage Match, you just get the people that are super into it first, and then the people come along later that are maybe less into it. That's just how it works, regardless of it. But it's at a 9.29 right now, uh, which is pretty fantastic. Uh, I'm going to pull up where that stands on the year for the Cage Match uh, ratings. Uh, but breaking nine on that side is a hell of a thing. I will say that much for sure. Um, yeah, just, just, just great stuff, man. Yeah, that would put it. All right, so this is just for twenty twenty three. The cage match, uh, 
that would put it tied for fifth with Adam Page, John Moxley at uh, the pay per view. That's probably about where I have it on my match of the year. Um, There's a couple ahead of it. I haven't seen Okada Shingo yet, uh, though I know I will love that when I do. I haven't seen the the All Japan tag everyone loves, the Miyahara Nomura versus Nomura Aoyagi match yet. But those are the, you know, you got that one. You got the Mox uh, page that is tied with. You've got Danielson MJF at two and Omega Osprey at one. And uh, I honestly have this above the Iron Man match. I don't have this above the Iron Man match. Um, this is, this was incredible, but to me, the Iron Man match had so much more story with great wrestling that it just sets it apart and is on a whole different stratosphere for me. Um, uh, that's fair. That's a hundred percent fair. I'm not going to begrudge anyone like jostling those two for sure. I just yeah. think that this was like seriously one of the best high flying performances I've ever seen from Vikingo and Omega was just flawless, like making sure it all connected together perfectly. I love this match. Yeah, it was great. Um, overall, this is a very up and down um, dynamite. Um, but I, I got to ask, end, what do you think about Adam Page stealing the ambulance? Because I saw some specific pushback on that. Who gives a shit? Like, <laughs> oh, okay, he stole the ambulance. It's been done in WD. Whoop de doo. I don't care. I, I don't think it was cool. I don't hate it. It just, look, the guy, like, do you want him rolling up into an Uber saying, thanks, John. I appreciate the ride. Like, it's it's a little tropey. Who Give me cares? five stars. I don't care. Um, the, the driver should have been named Dave, and he should have asked him for five stars. Um, that, oh, yeah, that would be I, good. I just thought of that I am a genius. Um, I, I like this comeback. Um, I think, you know, you could debate if it would have been better if it was just his music hitting. I do think that the surprise of him screeching into the building with the ambulance, um, I, I kind of liked it, to be honest. I wasn't opposed to it at all. Um, again, because it doesn't happen very often. Um, is it like Monday Night Wars, WWE trophy? Sure. But like, I don't know. I thought it was kind of cool back then. I thought this was kind of cool here. If they're doing it every week, that's different. I don't know. To me, I just don't care. It's fine. Yeah, that's like, fine. Yeah. If if you want to complain about it, just wind in the void. This is the, the guy, like, it, it advanced the storyline. He wanted to get back. Whatever. Who cares, man? I do think we got the greatest uh, from Don Callis, though, in this oh, post-match. Of being that was so great. He's a shit. Where he's holding on to his arm, like, no, 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 no. And then flops, soccer flops. That that was LeBron James good. That was <laughs> tremendous. Um I I want to continue to see where this goes. I, I think Takesh is gonna play a huge role, but man, that rocked. Yeah. I am fascinated to see where things go from here, uh, just with this storyline. Um, I think he's you know, I think Don Callis is a really underrated performer. Now, I've heard that, you know, people say that, like, he is like that backstage, which is a separate thing. But I don't care. I mean, that's not what I'm dealing with. I, I see him on screen and he's just great at being this complete two-faced eel of a person. And he's really wonderful at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was... 
just phenomenal. Just phenomenal. I, 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 there's no other way I can phrase it. Um, this was a great way to end Dynamite, and Kenny's just like, he thinks Paige did, and if you remember, uh, I think it was Full Gear, where Kenny said he hasn't watched back the match, he doesn't watch things back. He's probably not going to watch this back and realize that Paige was only trying to help this was very well done and it, yeah. it fits the, the motif of the characters. Um, and then you still have that tension between Omega and page. This is great. Just and, great. And also, I mean, the young bucks were in the hospital cutlers with them as was, uh, you know, uh, Michael Nakazawa. So like there was no one else from the elite to like straight and, you know, clarify this. Um, so I, it was just really smart. I think I, I really admire this aspect of things in AEW when it happens where you get these like very layered storylines with good attention to detail. And that's just very nice. Um, Absolutely. I, do, I do have, um, I do have a couple things. These are from Dave Meltzer on his, uh, on the, uh, the board for F4W online. Uh, that he's posted in the past uh, 24 hours. The clock on this is always messed up, so I'm not entirely sure when they were posted. But these are two things Dave said on there. One, uh, there was a discussion going on about um, the Punk Moxley storyline. And Dave said, and this is a direct quote, so this is coming from him. Quote, do you know why they didn't advertise Punk versus Moxley longer and why it had a short build? Because Punk agreed to it, then AW got a legal letter saying he wasn't down with it and wasn't doing it, and they didn't know if he'd come until Tony put his foot down. There are a lot of nice things I can say about him, and you can absolutely argue his position on Moxley was correct, but you can't argue he willingly did what he was asked in that scenario. Interesting. And here's Here's a second one. This is in response to some talk about, um, I think, the Hangman Page match. This is another direct quote from Dave. Quote, in fairness to Punk, he was winning that match in Vegas. He didn't pull a power play to win the title. This is, you know, so there's that, been this kind of rumor going around that Punk uh, through, like, uh, had to pull some politics to beat Page, which never really made sense with the build to that at the time. It didn't fit in. You know, but people have been kind of pushing that over the past few weeks. Uh, back mm-hmm. to the quote: uh, uh, He didn't pull a power play to win the title. Tony wanted the title on him. Then, I'm not at liberty to say, but his own words regarding that match of Page put in jeopardy the company's first million dollar gate does say something. So those are two again, just to repeat for the fourth time because uh, I am not liable for this shit. Uh, these are direct quotes from Dave Meltzer, um, on, again on his message board. Um, and I, you know, I think that this is the downside of the CM Punk gamble if you bring him back. Um, you know, assuming there's any level of truth to this, um, but there's definitely even ignoring those things. There's the reputation with Punk. And his uh, general difficulty to get along with, I don't know, man. Just something to consider. So let me ask you this. This is interesting because when you when you look at everything, Fred, the the line about the million dollar gate. What was he referring to? Was he referring to Vegas? Was he referring to All Out? I think he was referring I, to Vegas. How how was Paige's one promo 
going to hinder that gate. Like, I failed to see the connective tissue. It was the 2022 double or nothing was the $1 million gate. And that was his promo putting that in jeopardy. Well, hold on. Let me double check just to make sure. I that, that was the page. Yeah, that was the page punk storyline. So the implication, because he did drop that that uh, line at the brawl out post show, um, if I recall correctly, Punk said that. And the implication would be that he nearly walked out or refused to do the match or something because of the Adam Page workers' rights promo. And thus they would not have had that million dollar gate. Oh, I I don't I don't think it would have mattered at all. But that's I, just I me. mean, if, if Punk didn't show up, if if you know Punk no showed that, or if Punk like a month ahead of time was like I'm out, I think that would have really. There's no million dollar gate there. I don't think they would have had that sellout without Punk. Um, now it would no, have been a good gate, not, but yeah, I think so. Like it probably would have been I don't know eight hundred thousand something like that, but. You know, I I think that um, the punk drama really did cause damage to AW last year. I think more than I thought it would initially. Uh, but I also think that if he had walked out of that point before the title win, I think it really could have like done more damage to AW. But I don't know. Damn, but the one thing I can take from all this is CM Punk is annoying. Whiny baby. <laughs> Fortunately, he, he definitely has no track record of that whatsoever. Oh, none. No, nope. Um, uh, clean as a whistle. I uh, remember like a year ago or whenever it was on the You've Got to Be Kidding Me podcast where uh, they talked about Punk's short early run in TNA and uh, how he ruffled a whole lot of feathers there uh, before he ended up leaving that promotion. Yeah, it sounds about right. It sounds like CM Punk. Um, but Fred, that is our show today. Um, it, is. it is. Yeah, that is it. Um, next week, let's get let's get the people an updated a rendition of our Dynamite Dozen because I think yeah, that sounds we good. have we have some new matches to add to this, and it'll be a nice way to finish off the month of March. Yep. Um, anything else, Fred? Uh, I think that's it. Uh, just to go over it real quick, uh, what's next? We do only have one match announced for Dynamite as of right now, which is Adam Cole and Daniel Garcia, and this week's Rampage, which will be on Saturday at 10 p.m., uh, because I often forget about these time changes, but it has announced Taya Valkyrie versus Layla Gray, uh, Powerhouse Hobbs versus Pinta, Birdie King versus Jake Hager, The Acclaimed versus The Kingdom, and a Ricky Stark segment of some sort. Um, one quick thought. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because I don't think it's a very important feud. But I think it's entirely too rushed. Like, it, it feels like way too soon to be doing a... You can't use your finisher when the person being banned from using the finisher has been in the company for not even a week yet. You know, it, I just, I, I'll be honest. I, I would have had an issue with that. But it's smart Mark Sterling. I don't yeah. have an issue with smart Mark Sterling doing it. Yeah. That's very, that's very like scummy, slimy. Like, oh yeah. Perfect. If it's right, if it's perfectly formed, but I don't think that you've got enough investment from the fans where they like associate, you know, the fact that they are both using the same move as their finisher for it to be over. But 
That's fair. That's it's a, it's fair. a Jade feud. You know, it's we know what this is going to be probably. Yep. All right. Well, that's that wraps things up. You can follow um, me on Twitter at the Real Forno. You can follow Fred on Twitter at Flagrant Wrestling with an R, not a W, like he's Ted Turner. You can follow the show um, on Twitter at Good Bad Hungy. You can email us at hungypod at gmail.com. You can also ask us any questions you want there or in the Discord. And if we get any, we will answer them. Uh, make sure if you are listening to this on the Voices of Wrestling podcast feed, please subscribe to our own, the good, the bad, and the hungy to help us grow the show and continue to be one of the most listened to wrestling podcasts in the country of Turkey. Um, we are very proud of that, and we want to keep that reputation up. Um, in the meantime, for Fred, myself, Tyler, have a great day. Y'all take care. Music, it's not just part of our daily lives, it's part of our wrestling fandom as well, and it has been for decades. That's where this show comes in, Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling, hosted by Andrew Rich. Hey, that's me. Each episode delivers a different topic with a variety of great guests, fun conversations, musical analysis, and of course, a heartfelt pun or two. New episodes drop every other Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. Check out Music of the Mat only on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.